Calais Campbell believes that the Falcons' future is so bright that you got to wear shades. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black. And, of course, the most humble host that has ever existed in the history of America, North America, Canada, Mexico, Nicaragua, and, of course, Ecuador, here of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And we thank everyone that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen each and every day. Of course, make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it is available. And later on today's episode, we will be doing Twitter Tuesday, where we'll be answering Lots of D-line and linebacker and running back questions from the listeners. You'll hear my alcoholic preferences and how I'd fare with the zombie apocalypse. But we are starting today off talking about the various things that we heard. Calais Campbell, one of the newest Falcons, in his opening presser, where he talked about uh, sort of his role and what the vision he has for the team as well as the team has for him and, and the team seemingly and you gotta love these player pressures Calais Campbell and Taylor Heineke themselves have revealed more about what this team's process and thinking is in these pressers than anything the team has said uh, itself over the last probably like two years in fact so you know starting out Talking about Calais Campbell, I feel like he's a like-minded individual because Calais Campbell mentioned that he prides himself on doing deep dives and doing a lot of research. And I say, same, Calais. We are two brothers, two peas in a pod. But let's talk about Calais Campbell's role with the Atlanta Falcons. He basically likened it to the Cam Jordan role, playing more as that edge defender, that defensive end, whatever you want to call it, that if you've been listening to Locked on Falcons over the last week, that's what we expected and envisioned for Calais Campbell to be more of an edge rusher than necessary an interior presence. And that seems to be the case in the Falcons vision for him. So, you know, pat ourselves here on Locked on Falcons on the bat for that one. And I think he's a good fit. We've talked about that previously on the podcast about how he fits in that role, bringing a lot of size and power and physicality. We, we've talked a lot about the Ryan Nielsen defensive scheme, porting that over from New Orleans, wanting bigger edge rushers. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that later into today's episode, but it don't get bigger than a six foot eight, 300 plus pounder in Calais Campbell. He also mentioned that his expectation is he'll play around 60% of the snaps, which is a normal amount for a starting caliber uh, defensive lineman. I think Taquan Graham had played about 63%, 65% of the snaps last year before his injury. So roughly uh, that amount. And one of the other things that Calais Campbell mentioned is that Arthur Smith told him that he wants a more violent defensive line. And we'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about the potential Falcons draft ramifications from that. But the big topic in the presser was sort of 
why Atlanta? Why did Calais Campbell, of all people, choose the Atlanta Falcons? And he talked about sort of how the Falcons, not only from their offseason moves, but what he saw studying them in the lead up to the Falcons-Ravens game this season that he did not wind up playing in, and what he also saw in the game himself throughout his presser. And he talked about how the Falcons have a potent run game. He called Tyler Algier special. He talked about the three-headed monster that they had at running back with Algier, Cordero Patterson, and Caleb Huntley and the success that the team had running the football. He talked about how he thought Desmond Ritter played his best game of the season against Baltimore uh, and played great in that game. He talked about how Drake London looked really good in that game. He talked about some of the offseason additions on the defensive side of the ball, talking about Jesse Bates and saying he's a big fan of him, uh, loves the way he plays football. He said he mentioned a lot of respect that he has for David Onyemata as well uh, and Caden Ellis as well. One of the other things that he, he talked about with the Atlanta Falcons was that they were a young team and he referenced their road record, which was one in seven last year, as evidence of this is a team that needs maturity. And I think he was sort of imp imp implicating that that's where he sort of fits in. He talked about the underdog mentality that this team has, that they're poised for a breakout type of season. He talked about Ryan Nielsen, the Falcons defensive coordinator uh, and his vision for the team. He called Nielsen a brilliant uh, football mind. And another interesting tidbit from uh, his conversation with the media today on Monday was that Atlanta wasn't initially on his radar uh, when he first got into free agency, but then he had a 20 minute phone conversation with Arthur Smith and that led to him visiting Atlanta and clearly what the Falcons were putting out there for him. Uh, he was definitely putting down. Uh, and, and he talked about sort of one of the things that he was looking for in his potential destination is he knew what his ability was. He just wanted to see what the teams that he was talking to, what their vision for his ability and sort of how much overlap there was for them. And apparently there was a lot of overlap for what he thought he was capable of and what the Atlanta Falcons saw him as capable of. And apparently that was more than some of the other teams. He mentioned an undisclosed team that was, he was very close to signing, but talked about how it didn't necessarily fit right for him. And so clearly Atlanta was the right fit for him. And, you know, when we talk about Campbell's vision of the Falcons, I'm sure it's very similar to the other people in that building. And obviously to you guys, uh, the choir, so to speak, he's probably preaching a little bit, but it's similar to kind of the vision that I have. And I'm sure many of you have in terms of what the Falcons can be this season. He talked about how if, with the additions they made this offseason, including himself, that they can be a stout defense. If the offense can score points and the run game can control the clock, that is a formula for being a very strong football team. And another quote that Campbell had in his press conference, he said, if Ritter can contribute, I'm sorry, if Desmond Ritter can continue to develop and be who I think he can be, I wouldn't be surprised if we're playing in late January and potentially February. So that is uh, setting the bar particularly high but of course we all love to hear that and of course you know if you disagree with Calais Campbell go ahead and say something to his face I am definitely not going to say anything to Calais Campbell you will not see me you know tweet subtweeting Calais Campbell <laughs> in the same ways with Anthony Rush like I, I don't want any smoke from Calais Campbell so good luck telling Calais Campbell that he is wrong right I, I told somebody else recently you know, it's this statement of the 800 pound gorilla, which stems from, you know, where does the 800 pound gorilla sit in the room? 
wherever it wants. Calais Campbell, whatever you think about the Atlanta Falcons, I agree 100%. I got no smoke for you. Whatever you think the Falcons are going to be, they're exactly that. I don't want anything to do with that. So we will talk a little bit more about the vision for the Atlanta Falcons and the vision that Arthur Smith has for the violent defensive line and whether that informs us about the Falcons draft plans as we continue today's Locked on Falcons episode, guys. But let's talk about the built March Madness bracket. And I've talked before, guys, about how I was upset that Brownie Batter Puff upset my personal favorite, Coconut Brownie Chunk, in the first round. And I recently learned that Joe Marino of the Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes podcast is also a fan of Brownie Batter Chunk. And clearly, Joe has successfully motivated and mobilized the Locked On NFL Scouting listeners uh, more so than I have for you, the Locked On Falcons listeners, to go out there and vote for Brownie Batter Puff. Because right now, Brownie Batter Puff is facing salted caramel in the finals in the built March Madness bracket. If you're not sure what built are, it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're, you know, tasty. They're good for you. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein. And guys, if, if I haven't motivated you enough, not only to go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote, the, the reason you got to do that is because uh, one lucky or 50 lucky locked on listeners will be entered into win a free box of built. And one lucky listener will get a 12 months subscription of built where the best bars and puffs are delivered uh, monthly directly to your door. So please guys go and vote for salted caramel to upset brownie batter puff, the Cinderella story of the built March madness bracket, head on over to built March madness. And while you're there, pick up a box yourself, use the promo code locked on 15 and you'll get 15% off. So go uh, vote for salted caramel guys uh, in the built March madness.com final. So picking up our conversation here on Twitter Tuesday, we have a bunch of questions that listeners submitted uh, via Twitter. And the first one comes from Andy at Andy S. Gallagher on Twitter. He has, do you think we should read anything into Calais Campbell's comments about Arthur Smith wanting more violence from his defensive line? And yes, I think you should read into it. And we'll probably explore this a little bit deeper next week when we do Mock Draft Monday, if and when we talk about Georgia pass rusher Nolan Smith, who is a smaller edge rusher. Um, and you know, for me, you know, we'll take a deeper dive on Nolan Smith specifically, but my general thoughts on, on Nolan Smith is that he's not bringing anything to the table that the Falcons don't already have in like Arnold Ebiketti and D'Angelo Malone and to a lesser extent, Lorenzo Carter. And so for the, that's the reason why you've heard me over the last week or two talk about the Falcons taking a pass rusher, uh, in round one, but getting one of those bigger edges, someone like a Tyree Wilson out of Texas tech, miles Murphy out of Clemson to a lesser extent, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, uh, given their size and strength and whatnot to add a little bit more of that three down presence that Calais Campbell, you know, get their long-term cam Jordan to use the parlance that Calais Campbell used, right? If Campbell's going to be that guy for a year or two, who's going to be that guy four or five you know, or more years down the road. And I think that's going to be a priority for the Falcons to find in this draft. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a first round guy because in round two and round in round three and later, you know, you have guys like Keon White of Georgia Tech, Adetomawa, Adabari of Northwestern, Kobe Wooden of Auburn, all potential alternative options if the Falcons go in a different direction in round one and still can get that type of quote-unquote violent uh, defensive end uh, early in the draft. Moving on to Greg Legrand's question. He asked, Gonzalez, Carter, Wilson, Bijan, one of these will be there at number eight. Who you taking? For me, it's going to be Jalen Carter. Uh, Filthy Nasty Birds at Mark Reimers 5 on Twitter asks, you are seeming to think 
we will take a pass rusher in the first round out of the ones that might still be there. Who is the one who will be the best fit this coming year? I don't know. Tyree Wilson, uh, Joe bear at Joe bear 74 asks, how do you think this defensive line is going to look? I'm a little concerned because it seems a bit disjointed Anyamata and Grady are both three techs. So is Anyamata just expensive depth? How about Calais's spot? The edges are also lighter than we thought Nielsen would go. So, you know, as Calais, as we talked about earlier, um, you know, Calais is going to be that heavier edge that you're referring to. And I think the Falcons will find more options in the draft, as I just discussed. But I think calling Anyamata and Grady Jarrett, quote unquote, just three techs or um, is probably not accurate. It, uh, Grady Jarrett spent eight weeks after the Falcons cut Anthony Rush playing that one tech nose tackle role primarily for the Falcons. Anyamada has consistently lined up at the one, the three, and the five techniques uh, in New Orleans over the years. And I think the beauty of both of those players is they're not just limited to playing one technique from a defensive standpoint and with the hybrid defense that the Falcons are likely to employ under Ryan Nielsen, you will see both of those guys along with Calais Campbell and several others being moved around the defensive line rotation. And for those of you not familiar with the various techniques a one tech lines up over the outside shoulder of the center, uh, that is traditionally the run stopping D tackle, called also called the nose tackle uh but you know that isn't necessarily always a run stopper because you know javon hargrave has primarily been a one technique the last couple of years in philadelphia and certainly uh is bringing a lot more than just run defending capability the traditional pass rushing defensive tackle is is the three tech that player lines up over the outside shoulder of the guard so it's understandable why anyamata and Jarrett are primarily three techs but they can play a variety of techniques and the five tech for those of you not familiar lines up over the outside shoulder of the tackle and i think you'll see a lot more of that from taquan graham calais campbell and potentially a draft pick and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the three-headed monster in Algier, Patterson, and Huntley, uh, if the Falcons draft B. John Robinson and how that will affect it, what my favorite running back outside of B. John Robinson, we'll talk about the linebacker position, and we'll talk about my definitive strategy for how to survive the zombie apocalypse as we continue today's Locked On Falcons podcast, guys. But first, I do want to plug the Locked On Braves podcast, one of the mini shows part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, of course, covering the Atlanta Braves each and every day. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On Braves or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So wrapping up today's Locked on Falcons episode, continuing our Twitter questions on this Tuesday afternoon or Monday evening, if you're checking this out on YouTube, where of course you can get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. And our next question comes from Buzz at ATL Falcon Focus. He says, serious question here. Uh, There's only questions that we ask here a lot of Falcons only serious questions he asks when we draft Bijan at eight or a few picks later what happens to Caleb Huntley on the depth chart does this flex Patterson to more of year one in Smith system in a slot slash wide uh, hashtag Bijan Stan so I think if you're drafting Bijan Robinson you're frankly at a point where who cares what happens with Patterson and Huntley you fit them in wherever they need to fit in but I think your three-headed monster turns into a two headed monster and i don't think either patterson or huntley are really going to see the ball 
all that much this year unless there are injuries to Algier and Patter or Algier and Robinson. I think you're primarily going to ask Bijan Robinson to be that hybrid slot receiver running back over Cordero Patterson in those circumstances. Our next question from comes from Stephen H at Hera ATL on Twitter. He has favorite running back in the class, not named Bijan for the Falcons. I mean, my favorite probably is uh, Devon Achain from Texas A&M. Probably the best running back for the Falcons besides Bijan Robinson would be Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Uh, Tiago I Shack on Twitter asks, do you think the Falcons will go into the season with a $28 million cap hit for Jake Matthews? What's your opinion on it? I mean, maybe. Uh, I think they, if they need money to free up in August or September before the season, we might see them restructure Jake Matthews' contract in order to do that. I think they, they already restructured Jake's at the end of this past season. And I recall the Falcons doing something similar with Matt Ryan a couple of years ago. I can't remember if it was at the end of the 2020 or the end of the 2021 season. I think it was the end of the 2020 season. And they restructured Matt Ryan's contract and then restructured him again at the beginning of the offseason. And so I imagine if if they did that before, they could do that again uh, here with Jake Matthews moving forward. So we'll, we'll sort of have to see about that. Uh, TD at NFL Falcons TD on Twitter asks, do you have any under the radar pit players you would like to see us add this draft. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I, di- I didn't watch a lot of pit football this year, a handful of games. So there's no sort of pro pit agenda here for the Atlanta Falcons, at least from my side of things. Uh, Andy S. Gallagher's next question is, what do you think Caden Ellis's role is with the team? He's seen the light up in multiple positions last year for the Saints. So we talked about this before previously on the podcast, and Andy, clearly you are not making Lockdown Falcons your first listen, but he's going to be the starting weak side slash will linebacker for the Falcons. Yeah, he, he, he will line up at multiple spots. That's not unique to him. You see that with a lot of linebackers. You'll probably see him line up along the line of scrimmage, uh, whether that's outside linebacker, inside linebacker, lining up in the A-gap, probably a little bit more than your typical off-ball linebacker but that's not something that is unique to him he's just going to do it a little bit more than others and get more opportunities to rush the quarterback than your typical outside linebacker a comparable player in terms of his usage over the years is someone like Dante Hightower with the Patriots who spent a lot of time being a pass rusher outside inside all over the place and I, I imagine you can liken that to the Caden Ellis in a lot of ways in the in terms of his usage here in Atlanta this year at Ritter's Falcons at first down Falcons on Twitter says do you see the Falcons make Making any additions to the middle linebacker group aside from the potentially bringing back Evans. Similarly, do you see Michael Walker having anything more than a reserve role in on this defense in 2023? I hope they don't bring back Rashawn Evans. I don't see the value of that. You know, at this point in time, you're looking for depth that can provide depth behind Troy Anderson and Caden Ellis, but also can contribute on special teams. That's not really Rashawn Evans at this point in time, or I don't think that's what you're bringing. There are actually guys that can contribute on special teams. Nick Kwiatkowski that to me are more worthwhile resignings. As for Michael Walker, I think he technically could be a starter as the third linebacker for the Falcons and play that Sam or strong side linebacker role. We might see D'Angelo Malone play that role as well. We'll just have to sort of see how that goes. But yeah, he'll probably wind up playing reserve reps, but he he may technically be a starter if he is that third linebacker, uh, given that that player only typically plays about 20% of the snaps in that 
particular role uh, and maybe get other opportunities in sub package, similar to what we saw with Troy Anderson being that third linebacker last year behind Evans and Walker. Uh, Roger at Falks and Royals on Twitter says, what is your best case comparison for Desmond Ritter? What is your worst case comparison? Uh, for me, my best case for Desmond Ritter is probably like Dak Prescott. My worst case is probably like Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Filthy Nasty Birds at Mark Reimers 5 asks, should we trade up for Will Anderson and what's your favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, I would say no to trading up for Will Anderson. He's a fraud. Um, as for my favorite alcoholic beverage, you know, I don't know if you're looking for a generic answer like beer or tequila, Mark, uh, but given my tendency to overthink things, but, you know, I don't necessarily have a favorite in terms of a specific type of drink or uh, drink that I tend to be my go-to over and over again. My relationship with alcohol and booze is pretty utilitarian, meaning that I drink primarily to achieve a goal, which is either to get drunk or to get a buzz on. And basically I don't really care what the vehicle is to get me to that destination bus, you know, motorcycle, car, limo, truck, whatever, you know, they're all going to get me there. It's just a question of how quickly they're going to get me there. And that's more what I'm focused on at that point in time. Although there is a third instance where I will drink um, in certain social settings like brunch or going out to eat or something like that. And it's not necessarily with the goal of getting intoxicated. Uh, but uh, if you're asking for what types of alcohol, I like beer. I'm not a big fan of IPAs. Uh, if you're talking about as far as liquor goes, I tend to drink more rum and tequila than anything else. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people have negative experiences with tequila. I tend to have a negative experience with like whiskey and scotch and, and bourbon and all those types of drinks. You know, they taste like smoke and needles to me. So I'm not necessarily a big fan of that. And I'm sure some of you guys were like leaving the comments because every time I talk about my disdain for IPAs, someone's like, oh, you just haven't tried the right IPA. It's like, no, I've tried dozens of different types of IPA. They all suck. Uh, they just suck to different varying degrees. But hey, like what you like. If you like those drinks, don't let somebody on the internet wearing sunglasses tell you how to feel about your favorite alcoholic beverage. Uh, moving on to William Mayfield's question at W Mayfield 13. He asks, will Ritter switch to number nine? I have no idea, William. Uh, Cesar Lopez at CM Lopez 04 asks, if by some chance Anthony Richardson is available at eight, do you see the Falcons drafting him? No. Um, and I'm not yelling at you, Cesar, um, you know, but one of my pit, biggest pet peeves, you just said the thing that triggers me. <laughs> so, it's not specifically to you. You just, I, I, I always have a couple of rants in my back pocket and occasionally someone will ask a question that will trigger me. So this is only a very small rant uh, by my standards, but one of my bigger pet peeves is people not learning over time. And I think one of the things when it comes to the draft is, you know, we're in the year of our Thomas Morstead 2023 uh, and people still don't understand that the entire draft process is about gathering information, whether it's in August, all the way up to April, teams are gathering information. And then they use that information to build their draft board, typically the week before the draft. Uh, and that's when the team's going to determine if they draft a player. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because I think a lot of people are reading a little bit too much into the Falcons asking Anthony Richardson for a top 30 visit. And rather than looking at it as the, the team is trying to gather information, they're looking at it uh, depending on their proclivities as an indicator. Oh, th this means that the Falcons are realistically, uh, you know, entertaining, taking Anthony Richardson at eight. I don't think that is the case. Um, but, you know, we don't really know what they're trying to do with it. Maybe it is that, uh, but I don't think it is. But like, you know, 
we don't know what the team is trying to do. And basically, as far as we know, when they put all this information together that they're going to use and gather more information, and certainly of the four quarterbacks at the top of this draft, the one that you want to get the more information on is most likely to be Anthony Richardson just because he's got less experience. He's the more uh, lesser-known commodity of this quarterback crop. But, you know, it could all culminate in the Falcons putting Anthony Richardson 41st on their draft board. And only the time they would realistically entertain drafting him is at the top of round two, as opposed to round one. But we don't necessarily know that. So my point, Cesar, is don't make any assumptions based off of top 30 visits. All it means is the Falcons are interested in that particular player to know more about that player. Anything beyond that, I would not make any too many assumptions on that regard. Uh, Lonnie at Jelani234 asked, what position do you think the Falcons would add just before the draft or would like to add? I think is what he said. Uh, I've said a couple of times that I think they would like to or should like to add a guard before the draft. They just signed Joshua Miles potentially to compete for that swing tackle spot that we've talked about a couple of times that is open, even with the return of Jermaine Effetti, finding someone that has experience playing left tackle is critical for this football team. Moving forward as a tackle depth, Joshua Miles gives them another option in the event that the draft does not go the certain way and they don't get that tackle that they want uh, right away. So they'll have, you know, potentially uh, a- another option there beyond Jermaine Effetti to add some depth on the draft. But I do think, finding a veteran guard on the market before the draft would be a worthwhile addition for the Falcons over the next couple of weeks. And our final question comes from Andy S. Gallagher. He says, how long are you surviving in this zombie apocalypse? For me, you know, my, my definitive zombie plan apocalypse plans is to die, right? I I'm expecting to live a couple of days. I have glaucoma. I have asthma. I'm overweight. Like I am not built. I have no delusions guys that I'm going to survive long into the zombie apocalypse. If I can get a couple of days, if I last two weeks in the zombie apocalypse, I am going to be patting myself on the back quite a bit for what an incredible job I've done at the end of the world. Um, I fully expect myself, you know, someone's got to be part of the faceless hordes that other people are using their katanas and their chainsaws and their machine guns to mow through. I fully plan to be part of those faceless hordes chomping on people in mo and getting mowed down by weapons of mass destruction by the U.S. military or just one plucky survivalist uh, as so many people, you know, delude themselves into believing that they are capable of being. But that is my plan for the zombie apocalypse. And that will do it for us here, guys, on today's Locked on Falcons episode. Yes, I 100% wore the sunglasses, these cheap sunglasses (laughs) from the corner store uh, just for these props on these shows, man. I'm going to have so many props by the end of of this year uh, for this podcast. But guys, that's going to do it for us here on today's Locked on Falcons. Tomorrow's episode, I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about. Chances are we might take a deeper dive into some of the things that Calais Campbell talked about because I There was a couple of questions that you guys sent in that I didn't answer that are mostly like big picture. What's the expectations for this team might get into a deeper look on those on tomorrow's episode or maybe later this week, because I know we're going to have some guests. We're going to have both Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast later this week on the podcast. I'm just not 100 percent sure if that will be tomorrow's episode or just later in the week. But you can expect both the Locked On NFL Draft guys to be part of your first listen here on the Locked On Falcons podcast. But for your second listen, guys, in addition to Locked On Braves, Locked On Hawks, Locked On Sports Atlanta, Locked On Bulldogs, all part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, make sure you check out the Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes podcast. Tell Joe Marino that you can't stand Brownie Batter Puff and Kyle Krabs. I don't know what flavor of Bilt Bar <laughs> Kyle is into, but 
in addition to promoting various built bar flavors, they are also promoting all the things that it takes for an NFL franchise to successfully build in today's NFL. So subscribe to locked on NFL scouting on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. It's all part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.